here it is. The most listened to radio show on the planet. Even the other stations are tuned in too. Hi, this is Doug Barnes of the Season Pass Podcast and the Mice Chat Podcast. And you are listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. Hi, this is Jake Toko with Rocky Mountain Construction. And you're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. Hello, I'm Joe Crowback. I am a respiratory therapist. And you are listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. Hi there, this is Lindsay Stork from Ginger G-Force, and you're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? Yes, I accept the Coaster Challenge. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? Coaster Challenge Podcast is here. It's time to face your fears. Get that theme park therapy and lend us both your Coaster ears. Challenge Podcast is here. Your fear can disappear. We know that theme park therapy can dry up all your tears. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? Yes, I accept the Coaster Challenge. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? We accept because you know we're not average. You're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. A journey where people become fearful to fearless, all from riding roller coasters. So please secure your hats and glasses and keep your hands and arms inside the podcast. It's time to accept the Coaster Challenge with your host, Kim Dykes. Good evening. This is Kim from the Coaster Challenge podcast, and I am really looking forward to talking with my guest. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Brandon Stahl a YouTube content creator from the channel Theme Park Predictions and More. Welcome to the podcast, Brandon. Thanks for having me. Well, I am so excited for you to be here. This is the first time we've gotten to sit down and talk with each other. Let's begin with you telling us some things about yourself to help us get to know you better. Yeah, so I grew up in Ohio and I currently reside in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, I'm just about to be 40 years old, so I guess I'm one of the older uh, YouTubers that talks about coasters, but uh, always been passionate about it ever since this, ever since I was a little kid, and uh, have a wife and two kids that we obviously love dearly, and just trying to uh, share my passion and love with roller coasters with my family, as well as now with the channel, everyone out there, and uh, just keep on growing this community in a very positive direction. Thank you for sharing that. And don't call yourself old. I'm going to be 47 <laughs> Yeah, you <laughs> in know, a little over a month. So if you're old, I'm older. No, it's funny because like probably three or four years ago, I could ride like Fury, like Carowinds, like three or four times in a row. Then I'm like, okay, I'm, I have had enough. But now I get older and I'm like, I want more and more and more. So I can ride it like 10 times in a row uh -huh. as I have and, you know, it's like, okay, this is like re re you know, reverse what I thought it was going to be. And it's great. <laughs> it's the exact, the exact same thing has happened to me. And the process of my weight loss, I shared that story with you earlier. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When I first started writing Snow Vengeance, I could write it three or yeah. four times tops. And I was just beat to death. I was done. On this last visit, we rode 20 times. I could have wow. ridden. 100 more times if I wanted to, and they feel great. I never expected that to be happening at this point in my life, but I'll take yeah, it. Yeah, it's a great ride, and definitely would love to ride it 20 times in a row or in a day. That sounds great. It was fun. Get, get up there on those Thursdays and Fridays in the fall. Yeah, that's true. And just after leave your phone and stuff in the locker, and so you don't have to do the locker in the yeah, queue. and that's what we fine. did. Yeah, just, you, can't, you can't beat that. No, it was a great time. Okay, so this first part of our interview, 
is going to be basically the roller coaster time traveler. We're going to look back on your history of riding coasters, yep. your experience, you know, how they've impacted your life and that sort of thing. And the last part of the interview will focus more on you in general and not just not as coaster specific. Sure. So we are now going to get started with our coaster time traveling with you telling us about your very first coaster. Uh, like I said, I grew up in Ohio, actually like Dayton, Ohio, like 45 minutes north of Kings Island. And so my mom and my dad took us down there as kids. And the first roller coaster, I think, would probably be the Beastie, if I remember right. I'm sure it might that have been. was mine, the, too. Really? Yeah, I, I think it was. I believe it might have been the little steel coaster there that's probably had a different name back then. Um, but I remember Beastie being like the first one that I really remember. And obviously, you know, young age, you're like, this thing is huge, even though yes. it really isn't that big. But it looks a lot bigger when you're a little kid, you know. And so that was my first real coaster you know experience and I remember it was funny because we'd only we only went for her company's like work day in the park where the mm -hmm. company ran out the picnic pavilion yeah. so like, we didn't even have season passes but we went for like the day and it, just remember like driving over one of the roads I think the 741 or 48 one of the roads that shoot down from Dayton down to Kings Island and you go over the little, the little hill, and all of a sudden, you see the skyline of Kings Island. Off Wasn't the that the best? It's the best. It, it literally, get, I still, to this day, go that way just to see it. Uh -huh. it, just, it just makes you just, oh, I'm here. You know, I'm, I'm going to be there. And uh, it, it really is a blessing to be that close. But seeing that and realizing, oh, my God, this is the coolest thing ever, you know. But, yeah, the Beastie was... Uh, you know, I don't really remember details as to like where I sat, you know, how was my reaction, but it was, uh, you know, it, le it left me wanting more because then I remember riding the Ferris wheel there. This is how old, old I am, but the Ferris wheel is over in the Oktoberfest area. And I was on and I, and I, and I looked over and I, and I knew they had the beast, but I didn't really know what the beast was, but I saw nobody this big, did. Yeah. But I saw this big white roller coaster off in the distance and I'm like, oh my God. That's the beast. Well, obviously it's the racer, but I didn't know that, you know, and so I was too small to ride those two rides back then. But it was just funny how, you know, your mind thinks something, but it really isn't the actual what it really is. But it was it was a very cool experience every year. We, you know, we look forward to doing that. I'll never forget my family. We went to Kings Island once a year. Yep. And oh, my goodness the anticipation the night before and when you finally caught the sight of the eiffel tower and everything right in front of you santa claus coming wasn't any better than that it yeah. was just absolute pure magic yeah and it really is cool much like you the only one i remember riding for a really long time was beastie Mm -hmm. I wasn't allowed to ride a lot of the bigger rides because my family felt like they were dangerous. And oh, that wow. Sort of thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I remember Screaming Demon was there at the park. Yes. Yeah. I never got to ride it. I didn't either. I wish I had, I though. I wasn't allowed. Did you get to ride King Cobra at all? I did. Very good. King good. Cobra, yeah. I did. The first, yeah, I did get yeah. to ride King Cobra. That was always a fun one. I mean, for back then. I, I, you know, that's still to 
still to this day was probably my, my most favorite stand-up coaster that I've been on. I mean, I'll I take it over some of the crappier B&M stand-ups, you know, Vortex. Oh, absolutely. Here or, <laughs> Vortex. You know. Yeah. I hear you on uh, that I'm one. I'm with that. <laughs> That's on my worst coaster list, not the goat coaster list. Yeah. Worst ever. You mean Vortex isn't your number one? Come on, Kim. No. <laughs> well, I don't understand how that thing has a line. Oh, it's capacity. It, it, it is strictly capacity and People in the Carolinas just, I guess they they like to get beat up. I don't know because that thing, <laughs> I have I have a one I have one rule each year for it. I write it once a year to see how it is, and I say nope, I'm done. I wrote so. it one time, period, and refused to write it again. Yeah, uh, I've been uh, going to the park since started going to Carolinas in 2019. Yeah, I walk past that thing and just laugh hysterically every time I see a line. I'm not. It, it, it always has. It's consistent, it's and it's funny because. Like Carowinds is a great park and all, and I love it being like 10 to 15 minutes away from it. And I go all the time, but like, there's so many rides there or coasters that I don't even ride, you know, oh, it's yeah. not like Kings Island where you can literally just go and ride whatever, all really good or Cedar point. Like mm -hmm. I have Fury, Afterburn, Copperhead, Intimidator, maybe Gold Rusher, like once every blue yes. moon, Hurler, same thing, Cyclone, maybe and that's really it. Like the other stuff, I'm like, no, even Nighthawk, like I wrote it last week for the first time in like five years. It was okay. But I really just feel like eh, it doesn't always do much for me. I'd rather just write Fury and everything else. You know? That's pretty much what we did. We've yeah. decided like annually, or at least I don't know if I'm going back next year or not, it may be a couple of years, but it's just Fury Marathon Day when we go. We went this year and um, of course my daughter dragged me away to do a few other things we got 35 rides on fury that day wow that's good that great and we got to ride with the fury guy mclean got yeah, to meet up with him and there's another McLean. friend down there jay mickish mm -hmm. is another friend of mine that lives down there he joined us for part of our fury marathon that day was as well but um that's going to be that's our main priority right now when we go to that park <laughs> so oh, yeah. just to ride fury as much as possible i love that thing then it gets better too like I've been writing Fury now since it opened in 2015, and it just every year it seems like it gets a little faster. It just kind of really just molds perfectly now, and it's it it really is like our, it's not my number one coaster, but it's my number one rewritable coaster. Yeah, where I can it's, just get off and I can just stay on it. It just it's very therapeutic. Yeah, uh, just to ride it and just the the feeling of the height, the speed, the transitions, mm -hmm. everything about it. And for me too, like, it's almost more sentimental, I guess, because what would, what would Carowinds be today without Fury 325? Absolutely. You know, that roller coaster did so much for Carowinds and people still travel all around the world to, to you know, to come ride it. Oh, yes. And that's just so cool to be able to see people's faces get on for the first time and ask them after they ride, how was it? Did you like it? Yo, it's so awesome. You know, it really is a, a very special, you know, and I don't know if you saw, but I'm, I'm friends with a lot of the crew on Fury. So one of the days it was really windy here and I knew Fury would be down for wind. So I uh, talked to my friends with one of the head supervisors over there. And so we went to the park and uh, they were able to get our uh, announcement picture for our baby that we're, we, we just had a few weeks ago. But we had the front row 
picture of me in the front row with my son next to me and my wife. And then we saved one row at where you one seat empty for, for, you know, our announcement picture. Theory train number two. And it was really cool that just to have that connection. And so it really is a special, you know, it's definitely neat. Speaking of it being rewritable, I did notice when I went back this year, I was actually discussing this with McLean when I was there. Yep. I noticed Fury last year developing a rattle. Mm -hmm. And this year, the rattle was gone. Yeah. No sign of the rattle. The thing was running like brand new. Butter smooth and absolutely flying. And I asked, you know, I mentioned it to McLean because he's got over 9,000 rides on it. I said, has something changed? Where'd the rattle go? Now, I don't know all of the technology when it comes to maintenance and that sort of thing, all of the wording, the terminology or whatever, not technology, but anyway, the vocabulary. Yeah. He said they completely redid the uh, something with the wheel assemblies Hmm. on all the trains. And that's what I I can see it because I, I do know, as I mentioned earlier, it just, it, Every year, it seems like it's running better and better. This year, particularly, it's just it's. And he knew specifically what was done. I've never seen such a vast change in a ride in my life. True. It was phenomenal. Yeah, it's it's a great ride for sure. All right, so going back into the coaster time traveler to your early coaster riding days, what is the one coaster over the years that has scared you the most? Because I know Fury was one of mine. See, it's weird, I guess, because I'm not scared of really any roller coaster, any ride. As long as I'm attached to something, I'm cool. I don't think I can go skydiving just because there's really not an attachment there. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I mean, my family took us, my dad took us to Cedar Point um, starting off in 93, 94. Every year they opened up a new coaster. We went. And I was terrified of the course screw because I never went upside down before. And I know Vortex at King's Island, I refused to ride it. I'm like, nope, six loops, I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. And then we went to Cedar Point 93. And my dad and my stepmom at the time rode course screw at night. Then they came down the exit and said, Brandon, Lindsay, my sister, they're like, you guys got to ride, or Brandon, you got to ride it. I don't think Lindsay was tall enough. And so I'm like, well, I'm terrified. Like, no, no, you're going to ride it. And they got me on it, and I was so scared. But after I got off, guess what? We went right back around, did it again, and it was the coolest thing ever. And I'm like, all right, well, let's go ride Magnum next because I can do that. Yeah. You know? And so I, nowadays, I'm not really scared of any roller coasters. There's certain rides that kind of give me a little bit of anxiety, you know, like the Orlando Freefall. Uh, obviously, it's unfortunate what happened with, you know, the accident with that. But that ride, I mean, I was a little <laughs> nervous. And the Star Flyer, those swings, I like riding them, but man, my palms get sweaty and I'm like hanging on. I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, like, why am I doing this? <laughs> I missed riding the Orlando Free Fall by about a week. Oh. Accident happened. It was about between one and two weeks before my spring mm-hmm. break trip ah. back in the spring. So yeah. that was one I missed and I didn't do. We went and visited Icon when I was there, but I didn't do the Starflyer at the time just because there was so much press and heat on that park. 
I think yeah. we're going to do the star flyer though when we go back. Good. To Orlando. Yeah, you should. And and it was definitely. I felt when I wrote it, it was a little. I didn't feel as safe as I would, let's say, at a Six Flags uh, or like mm-hmm. other parks that had the same models. Uh, I just felt like not that it wasn't unsafe, but I just felt like there wasn't as safety driven, you know. And some of the attendants were like swinging you around before the ride started. I'm like, you know, uh, I don't really care no. for that. Like a lot of just, I'm, a, I'm a former, I'm a former ride operator. I spent eight years working in the parks as well. So like, yeah, I'm like no, I, I don't think that's necessarily right, you know. Um, but yeah, next time, hope you get a ride. It it really is great, and uh, it definitely is. You know, it, it's stuff like that freaks me out, but I love it. Uh, you know, but as far as the roller coaster go, it has to be corkscrew for sure. I think just because it was my first roller coaster that went upside down, and uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty wild. My the one that scared me the most, and I've got a few. I mean, Fury was one, mm-hmm. but what's so intimidating? It's massive. <laughs> yeah, but the one before that that scared me was very comparable to yours. It was Vortex at Kings Island. Yep. Mm-hmm. I had never ridden anything other than King Cobra had one loop in it. Was yeah. that? Yep. And Vortex just looked massive. It does. The way they placed it, like it's I, I'm I'm I personally I don't love Vortex, but I miss Vortex. If that yeah. makes any sense. And oh, it makes perfect sense to it, me. It was, it was so iconic, and I would try to ride it every time I went there. But sitting in that back row, like the front car, the back train. Yeah. I'm telling you, it was phenomenal because you just get so much airtime over that first drop. And yeah, you know, you're going to get yourself beat up by riding it, but it, it really is a great ride. I mean, overall, it's a fun, classic arrow coaster. I mean, what I miss, I miss the uh, the chain dogs hitting on the chain, you know, uh, the clink, clink, clink. You can hear all around Coney Mall and Rivertown. That is what I miss. I miss that more than the ride, I think. Back when it was newer. First time I wrote it was in 1994. It rang great. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't remember any of the beating up and the head banging yeah. for several years. It just did not age well. Yeah. And of course, it got to the point where when I, I was really for several years ready to be done writing yeah. that thing, my daughter was stuck at 48 inches. Oh, no. It took her forever to hit 54. So mm-hmm. every time we went to King's Island, what did she want to ride? Multiple times. Vortex. There you go. And we ride it again. Sure. <laughs> Just somehow endure it enough for her to be able to ride it. But there was never a bigger celebration. The one she finally hit 54 inches and could venture out of Vortex world. But yeah, I mean, it's, I, I completely get what you're saying. I miss the view of seeing the yes. ride there and the sounds, mm-hmm. but riding it in its later years was not easy. Yeah. And I don't want to get too far off topic, but it's funny when I used to work at Kings Island, I worked on the beast. Uh, the Beast and Flying Eagles crew in 2005, then Whitewater Canyon in 2006. Interesting. But whenever I went out with my friends uh, and I got off work, we rode the rides. We always made the joke like Vortex opened, I think, in like 86 or 87. And it's the signature steel coaster at Kings Island. But yet Cedar Point has all these great steel coasters, you know, and we're stuck with just this. And it's like, oh, my gosh, mm-hmm. just 
you know, I just wish we had something back then. There was no B&Ms at the park, you know, very low capacity rides. You had Son of Beast, but that was a brutal ride. You know, like it was just uh, it was, it was different days back then. You know, now you have obviously all the B&Ms and Mystic Timbers and everything else. Absolutely. So going back to that very first ride on Corkscrew, I know you said you weren't afraid of much or at least haven't been afraid of anything much back, back then. then I was though yeah <laughs> how were you feeling when you approached the station for the first time um I think it was nighttime so that probably helped me out since I really couldn't tell if I was going upside down or not uh so I'm sure I, I remember being nervous it was just a matter of okay you know because back then I really didn't have a whole lot of confidence I was pretty bullied in school and stuff and I didn't have many friends this so I'm amazing. actually kind of shocked how I was just like, you know what, Brandon, you can do this, you know. And so I, you know, kind of scoped out the surroundings and said, all right, well, you know what, I'm going to do it and I'll, I'll just figure it out. So and sure enough, you know, I got in the train, pulled the, pulled the restraint down. And I don't think back then they even had seatbelts on the, the lap bars or the, you know, mm -hmm. the, the restraints, but it, it was definitely fun. The night ride seems to have affected you the exact opposite of the way that it affected oh, yeah. me the first time. <laughs> I rode Vortex for the first time on my senior night in high school. Oh, wow. And the fact, and the fact that I was the only one in the group that didn't want to ride kind of propelled me to go on the ride. True. And the thought that it was dark and I wasn't going to be able to see anything or yeah. know where I was going course it didn't really matter because at that point in time I rode most roller coasters with my eyes shut anyway it just made it even worse I remember my palms were sweating I had cotton mouth I could hardly breathe I had this big knot in my throat and stomach all the way through the station and you know then after I got off I was like wait a minute I've been living a lie why did everybody tell me this was so scary for so many years that was actually yeah fun. And it was one of the things, you know, that, that really opened doors for me to start riding more. That's great. So, so when you got off of Corkscrew for the first time, how were you feeling? Uh, probably like, wow, Brandon, you know, you really did this and you fulfilled your what you accomplished. And that really kind of gave me, I guess, a boost in the confidence, if you will, because I did it. I, yes. I said I could do it and I actually did it. And I'm still here obviously and it was definitely you know a, a buzz going on in me obviously not an alcoholic buzz but just a buzz of I was I was 10 years old at the time and I finally rode my first roller coaster that went upside down and back then that was that was the only coaster at the park that went upside down because Raptor opened up in 94 and so then I'm like you know what yeah I could start riding rides that feature vertical loops and, and everything else and I really hate it because I missed out on a credit over at the, um, the ghost town in the sky over here in North Carolina, over in Maggie Valley. My dad and my stepmom took us there as kids, and they had the, uh, the roller coaster that featured the vertical loop. I honestly can't think of the name of it at the moment, but I just remember seeing that, and I was so close to riding it, but I didn't. And I wish I did because this is before I went to Cedar Point. 
And I was terrified because of the loop. And I'm like, I can't do it. I can't do it. And sure enough, I didn't ride it. And now obviously the ride's down and gone forever. So I missed out on that credit. But uh, yeah, once I got off course, screw it. It was, a, it was definitely a, a very surreal feeling and a, a sense of accomplishment. Awesome. So I heard you talk about, you know, just confidence and stuff that you were building. You faced your fear a lot sooner than I did. You were 10 years old. Yeah. I didn't start, I, I didn't really start overcoming any level of fear until I was 18. It was many years later, actually into my forties after I became an enthusiast. So they really, there you go. that's okay. Facing fear. But you're not talking about that confidence. You talk just confidence in, you know, writing and that sort of thing. I've noticed that's just been a theme that has carried across every area of my life. And it's not something I've really thought about, you know, when I started riding coasters and conquering fear, but I've just become more confident with everything. I used to be very codependent, had a hard time, you know, telling people no, would just always do and do and do and do and do for other people. Yep. And we're greatly sacrificing myself. You know, I've learned how to say no and be okay with saying no. Mm-hmm. And if other people are not okay with the fact that I need time to take care of myself as well, that's their issue, not mine. Yeah. I've also just, you know, I've developed confidence in situations that require assertiveness where, you know, before I would just kind of step away, look down, you know, back down from any sort of confrontation. And I'm not a confrontational person. But at the same time, there's time when it's necessary. 100%. And it's just shocking to me that I'm able to do that now. That's good. I don't get, I used to, if there was any sort of conversation, any sort of time, I thought I was going to say something that would make somebody upset. Of course, you know, it goes back to the way I was raised. The Mm -hmm. way I was raised was the golden rule is you just don't make anybody mad. Don't make anybody mad period. You know, that gets in the subconscious. And for years, even when I knew the person was wrong and I had every right to stand up to them. Yeah. I would be so nervous, you know, heart thumping in my chest, sweating, breathing hard, hardly able to speak. And I've overcome that. I don't have that issue anymore. It's just amazing for me the way that conquering fear has just kind of expanded throughout other areas of my life without me realizing it was happening until it just kind of happened. So what kind of impacts would you say riding that first coaster had on your life or riding coasters in general had? Well, I think for first, uh, you know, it made me realize that I can ride other roller coasters that feature, you know, inversions, which I was terrified of. So I knew that going into it. Okay, I can do this now. So that was a huge relief. And as far as that goes, I mean, it just kind of made me realize that, you know, there are certain things in life that you're going to be able to do and you're okay with doing. There's some things you might not be comfortable and that's fine. 
but it's good to face your fears, obviously, when you're ready. And a lot of kids ride roller coasters that feature loops. And when they're six years old or seven, wherever they're tall enough, and I didn't do that, but that's okay. Because I did it when I felt like I was, you know, old enough to do it. And, and, and it was, maybe it was because I didn't go to the parks that often back then. I don't know, but it, it just really made a a very positive impact on my life. And it kind of got me hooked on roller coasters and that, especially that trip to Cedar Point, because in school, I, I struggled in school. I mean, even in high school, I struggled and I'd rather just draw roller coasters on my notebook opposed to, you know, homework and sit up and play roller coaster tycoon till like two in the morning, you know, and it was it was a lot of fun. But it just it just kind of made me realize that, you know, I'm addicted and I knew there wasn't many people around me that like were, were fascinated with roller coasters as much as I was. Mm-hmm. And I got called a dork and I got you know name called and. I'm like, okay, but I, I love roller coasters. I can't, you know, change that. And I think it's, it's it's been engraved in me ever since I was probably three or four or ever since I wrote The Beastie. And then, you know, Corkscrew. And it's just, it, I just knew that I was, this, this is, I'm meant to be on this earth to do something with roller coasters. And I always thought designing them. Well, turns out, I'm not that good with math. So mm-hmm. I'm like, that's not going to work for me. So I'm not going to be able to go that direction. And uh, it all, it, it all turns, you know, full circle now, at, you know, 2022 and what I do with the YouTube stuff. But uh, then it really, you know, it definitely impacted my life in a very positive way. And we definitely all find our niche. You kind of knew that you had something you know, for coasters very early in life. For me, it didn't happen immediately. I enjoyed riding coasters when I was younger, but I took a hiatus for about 14 years. I wasn't even on a coaster because my son wouldn't ride and my daughter was too short to ride anything. And then once we started this whole journey, you know, that the enthusiast life has brought us into for me, it's largely been a process of undoing a lot of negativity from earlier in my life. And, um, you know, a lot of people at my age, they talk about, you know, they're wanting to retire, they're wanting to this, they're wanting to that. Me, I feel like the next chapter is just getting started. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, this part of my life is, is just beginning. And I can't wait to see, you know, what's behind the next door that opens. No, that's great. Congratulations. Thank you. Okay, so I'm sure with all of your coaster riding and theme park adventures, we've all had really crazy random stuff happen (laughs) in the middle of a park or on a coaster. What would you say is your craziest moment? that's happened on a coaster or in a park? Uh, I have two. One, um, a very good friend of mine I met on Fury the opening weekend, I think it was, in 2015, and I was with a few other friends and my wife at the time, and this guy in front of me was wearing a Beast shirt. I'm like, you know, King's Island the Beast, and I'm like, well, hey, dude, I used to work on the Beast. I love your shirt. 
Turns out he's from Nashville. He's here camping. He's by himself. I ended up riding with him on Fury because my group had four, five people all together. And so I rode with him and said, look, every time, anytime you come to, you know, uh, Charlotte to go to Carowinds, let me know. I'd love to join you for, you know, a couple hours, get some rides in. And sure enough, he, we got each other's phone numbers and, and that was it. But then I, the next day I was working at the Children's Museum here in Charlotte. This is right after we moved up here from Florida. And I was in the back of the museum doing this exhibit I was in charge of. And I was handing out like flashlights for this flashlight exhibit thing. And next thing you know, this guy walks up and I go to hand him the flashlight and I look up. I'm like, holy crap, I rode Fury with you last night. And he had no idea I worked there. It was the most like meant to be moment ever, you know? And I'm like, this is like really kind of creepy because, you know, what are the odds? And so sure enough, we're great friends to this day and we ride all sorts of coasters. We go on a bunch of trips together. Uh, that's a really crazy moment just because he became a you know great family friend with my wife and I. Um, and actually him too, is we were at King's Dominion in 20, 2018, I think it was. The year the, the, the year a volcano kind of had a lot of issues and wasn't up much. Then it was announced they're going to remove it. Uh, but we were very cool morning and we went to go ride volcano. My wife and I were in the front row and right, right behind me was Brian and his fiance. And sure enough, I've been on volcano before, you know, and it goes around the first launch and then the 180 degree turn and the second launch into the volcano up to the inversion. All of a sudden it just slowly stops and then it slowly starts rolling back. And I'm like, I've never had a rollback on Dragster, but it's just really happening. And I'm like, we were just screaming like I mean, curse words. Heck yeah, this is awesome. Meanwhile, the wife and Sarah Brian's uh, fiance was like terrified, like we're gonna die. And we're like Brian and I knew, you know, the safety mechanisms will, would prevent you know the train from crashing. But yeah, that was, my, that was my only time I've ever been evac'd on a roller coaster, and obviously my only rollback on a roller coaster that's not really supposed to roll back, but. Volcano, the blast coaster, front row. It was my last time, obviously, riding it, and it was bittersweet, and it's it was, it was great. I am so jealous just sitting here <laughs> listening to the story. All right, true story here. I saw a volcano, but I never got to ride it. Oh, no. And the fact that you got a full evac on that thing. Yeah. The only thing I've had an evac on is a sky coaster at Indiana Beach. That kind of counts, but it kind of doesn't. Okay. We went to King's Dominion back in 2016, and my daughter was still too short to ride anything. Oh, no. And my son, like I said, he didn't even ride Diamondback for the first time in 2018. Wow. So, yeah, we spent plenty of time on the scrambler. The <laughs> Ferris wheel. We didn't know. I didn't even ride Intimidator 305 on that first one. Wow. Nothing, nothing. And then when we finally got to go back to King's Dominion, Volcano was gone. Yeah. And I heard so many good things about that coaster, and I never got to ride it. So that's that's one of those wounds that hasn't totally healed yeah not to uh throw salt on the wound but it it's and volcano is probably a top 20 ride for me just because how unique it was 
and the intensity of it. And realistically, it didn't do a whole lot, but it was just so different and random. Like it, it was, it was really good. Like I, I was pretty upset when Volcano was removed and, uh, Though I love Twisted Timbers, but it was still just imagine King's Dominion now with Volcano, Twisted Timbers, and I-305 plus Dominator. Oh, wow. I mean, that park, yeah. in my opinion, is so underrated. It's ridiculous. I love King's Dominion. I love what Cedar Fair is doing with King's Dominion right now because the uh, Tembelian Jungle Expeditionary looked phenomenal. And theming there's great. That's great. It really is. And I love what they did at the the uh, reptilian, you know. Yes. Uh their bobsled re theme is fantastic. And now if they can just get rid of Anaconda, we'd all be good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had another day. I did at King's Dominion. We did heroines in King's Dominion on back to yep. back days. I went to King's Dominion this year with the same thought. Same mission that I had at Carowinds to pretty much see if I could marathon Intimidator 305. I hadn't done that before. And I, oh, the yeah? chances of a coaster is a thing is I did not know if I could do it or not. Yeah. That and Twisted Timbers were the priority and to ride Tim Bailey. How many rides did you get on Intimidator? 32. What? That's yep. great. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Was not, and now I did 17. I did 17 or the day. Good the, for kids you. Cousin, the kids' cousins were there. So I had the day, like literally, I was by myself. So I'm like, all right, I'm just going to yeah. see what I can do here. See, so I did I, 17 and then I went and had lunch. And then after lunch, the park was so dead. I went and I had 14 rounds on Twisted Timbers. Wow. Then had dinner, then went back to Intimidator 305. And made it to 32 total for the day. I just, I learned where that hard gray out occurred. Yep. You know, it's inevitable. It's going uh, to happen. Yeah, it, it's, and it's, it's, it's great. It, it I really learned is. to just stare, stare at the airtime hill and keep myself focused on that. Blink my eyes really fast. Just th up through that gray out. And as soon as I knew, as soon as I come out of my seat on the airtime hill, vision would come straight back every single time. So and, and that that was a challenge for me too. And I'm just I'm weird like that. Really intense coasters. I want to figure out how to ride them, you know, so I can yeah. ride ride a whole lot and not not wear out. That was a fun well, day. And the, the night rides on it were incredible. Oh, it is fantastic. And that's the thing, like up until this YouTube channel started taking off, like I couldn't justify spending money on fast lane because uh, I just couldn't really afford it at the time, honestly. Oh, yeah. And so I would just be stuck waiting in the regular line. And so I'd only ride it like once or twice in a row and think, oh, it's just, a, it's just, it's a physical ride. Like and I would ride it more, but now this year I started doing the fast lane more and uh, it just, it, it, I, it's a great ride. I, I prefer Fury only due to the more rewritable aspect oh, of it. Yeah. Uh, but uh, they're both like neck and neck. I mean, so, so good. The night rides on 305 is great. Mm -hmm. And it, it's great. Fury is my number five and Intimidator 305 is my number 10. They're both fantastic coasters. Now, I personally don't do fast lane, but because I travel so much, but I do have the luxury as a teacher of having summers off for the most part. So that's when I do my hard, heavily, heavy traveling. 
-hmm. and I typically stay out of new parks on the weekends. Yeah, that's true. Parks that I'm not normally at. That's just how that's how we're able to do that. And we've also discovered if you show up at a park when it's 100 plus degrees, that's one of the benefits of this weight loss. I have a very high heat tolerance because I'm cold most of the time. Um, Show up when it's 100, 105 degrees. Either everybody's in the water park or everybody's at home. True. It all the way through Texas for a week and a half, literally sat on all of the best coasters, rode everything 20 plus times. Same thing in New Jersey and Pennsylvania. Wow, good for you. Exact same thing. El Toro, Jersey Devil, Candy Claw, everything we want to do. As many times as you want to ride, didn't even have to get off. That's great. A lot of times. So that's how I'm able to do a lot of what I do without fasting. You have a great system and it works for you and it has benefits. So that's all that matters. And thank thank you for teaching. I appreciate that. Yes, I thank you so much for saying that. And I totally get to what you're saying about, you know, these friends that you make when you least expect it in parks. I've just discovered the further I travel, the smaller the world gets. And every time I think I've made as many friends as I can possibly make, there's not going to be any more. Yes, there's always more. And it's just an incredible experience. And when you start talking to people and you realize, like you said, your friend, you, you had worked the beast, you had a beast shirt on. When you start talking, you realize the world's a lot smaller. Yeah. And if, if he wasn't wearing that shirt, I would have never said something. And, and I'm a very sociable guy. I'll talk to anyone. I don't really care. But uh, it was, it's just the odds, you know, of it's, it's pretty cool. So Absolutely. So how many coasters have you ridden? Do you count your coasters? It's funny because before the channel, I kind of like, no, nah, I'm not going to really count. I can think I have like a idea, but I didn't really, you know, count each one. Mm-hmm. Um, but then doing the channel and stuff and people kept on asking me, I'm like, well, I guess I should start. Uh, so right now I'm at like, I think just around 410. I got my okay. 400th credit in June. On my Midwest trip, I did a bunch of parks that I've never actually been to. So that was really cool seeing new parks and, uh, you know, riding coasters and whatnot and uh, that, you know, that I've never been on. So I'm, uh, you know, I need to get overseas and I'm probably at this point wait till, yeah, we should all go together. (laughs) Uh, I'll I'll probably wait till my son gets a little older than take him. Uh, I I have some friends out there who I I, I promised to go out to visit them and hit the parks up. So probably 2024, 2025 at this point. But, uh, you know, definitely, definitely looking forward to doing it. For me, that overseas trip will probably happen when my kids are grown and they can pay their own way. That 2024, 2025 window is when I'm hoping to eventually be able to make it out to California. that's a trip i've had to put off with the rising cost airline and everything you know with inflation Mm -hmm. so i'm really hoping by the time i've driven to all of the areas i want to drive to (laughs) in the united states and up in canada within the next couple of years that 
prices come down, things are a bit more affordable and we're able to make that trip to California. That's, that's gonna be my first big adventure before eventually going overseas. Yep, good for you. Yeah, California is great. I mean, there's some great parks and coasters out there, so you'll love it. So out of the four Hinnish coasters that you've ridden, what's your number one? Uh, Iron Gwazi, hands down. It's Yay, uh, mine too. Yeah, it, it really is. And people are like, how can you put it over, uh, you know, Steel Vengeance and this and that? And I'm like, Look, to me, it's just the perfect coaster. Every element is perfection, of course, my opinion. Uh, it's just really, I mean, still Vengeance is great. Don't get me wrong. It's like four or five for me. I keep on flipping that and Maverick. I love Maverick. And I every time I get off Maverick, I think, yeah, I like that better than still Vengeance. And I go ride still Vengeance, and I'm like, no, I think that's better than Maverick. So at this point, it's like a tie. But I really feel like... Um, uh, Yes, Iron Gwazi. I got three rides on it back in March of this year, and my night ride back row is what sealed it for me. Uh, just everything about that coaster is just perfection. I was, and it's just, it really is. Uh, just, I mean, RMC did a work of art with that for sure, and I, I'm very excited to see what's next from coming from RMC and what coaster could potentially knock off Iron Gwazi for me because. It's not about the length. It's not about the number of elements, you know, and I've yet to ride Voyage at night. So I do need to go ride Voyage. Oh. At night. I love Voyage. Just I've never done it at night, but I, I still oh feel my. like. I know. I know. You're, that, that barrel you're missing a good one. I know. I, I know. But that barrel will down drop at night in the back row. That's when I knew, you know, hands are up. Uh, I'm just, uh, you know. I was with my friends from East Coasters and, you know, they're filming at the GoPros because they could do, we were allowed to do it at Bush Gardens. And so, yeah, my reaction, I'm just like in bliss of, oh my gosh, this is, I'm really riding Iron Gwazi, you know, and it's, oh. it's not a dud, you know, it really is a top notch, you know, not that most RMCs are, are duds really, but you just never know, you know, you never know until you ride if it's really going to be a top 10 worthy coaster or top 20 or whatnot. But yeah, it was it's phenomenal. I get what you're saying between Iron Gwazi and Still Vengeance. I mean, Iron Gwazi is my number one. And yeah. Still Vengeance just moved up from number four to number three this year. Yeah. And I finally got, well, I kept hearing from all my friends how good, you know, how good it's been running and that the trims weren't hitting and all this other stuff. And Every single time I'd ridden it, the trims it hit. And I've had a few slow rides on it. Well, when we went back over fall break and got that 20 rides, the trims didn't hit one time. Wow. And it's, it's the first time I've gotten to experience still vengeance at its full potential. So, yeah, I mean, it's a fantastic coaster. It's my number three. But there are two that are above it voyage yep this i've had 62 rides on it this year wow good and for you that's over three visits if you've not been to hollywood nights at some point in your life you must i need go. to i bet i'm gonna try to go this year next year those are i call those we call those night rides the church of voyage you come to get redeemed yeah same. i mean it's it's 
I, there's not even words that can describe it. That thing runs so fast. I don't even know how it stays on the tracks. Mm-hmm. It doesn't even maintain speed. I swear the thing just gets faster and faster and faster all the way to the final brake run. It is absolutely right. insane. And Holiday World does a top-notch job yeah. of maintaining their coasters. No, yeah, they've always had I mean, running order. And there, yeah. I did notice back in July, and I went again over back in October. Just actually, this month, a couple of weeks ago. And wow. there's a couple of potholes going over the second and third hills. I mean, not anything major, but it was a noticeable difference from Hollywood than Hollywood Nice Rides I had True. this year. And they've already announced that they're doing a, a retrack on the second and third hills. In the off season, they're right on top of it. Good. That's so, the way they should be. Any little single thing, any little thing that comes along, they are on. And I love that about that park. But um, Iron Gwazi. I had 11 rides on it when I went, but I haven't had any night rides. So that's going to be when I went, the park closed. I think yeah. it was at like seven or eight. We were supposed to get night rides on that Saturday, but weather won out that day. It started a string of storms around three o'clock in the afternoon that were just relentless. Oh, no. Through the entire night. And then the next day, we were supposed to go to Islands of Adventure. So mm-hmm. we missed our opportunity night rides on this last trip so when we go back to florida that's definitely going to be at the top of the list even before new coasters i'm going to get night rides (laughs) iron iron guazi before i do anything else so iron guazi is your number one yep iron guazi velocity coaster fury 325 that's my top three oh my goodness we're so similar i have (laughs) iron guazi voyage still vengeance Velocicoaster yep. in Fury is my number five. There you go. Yep. The only where the only area we differ in, differ in, I think, a bit is Maverick. Those restraints for me just yeah. I, it's I, fun. I, Don't get me wrong. It's fun. And the second half of Maverick at night is incredible. Yeah. But if it had the newer restraints on it, oh my gosh, it'd be like, like Velocicoaster and Pantheon. Oh then it would be like a whole next level ride for me. 100%. It would be, I'm sure, in my top 10 if that were the case. So Iron Wazi is your number one greatest of all time coaster. <laughs> so let's go all the way down to from number one to number 410. What is your least favorite coaster ever? You have any one and dones? Uh, let's see. Uh, probably like Mindy Racer at Six Flags America. I mean, that thing is just god awful. Uh, you know the Vacoma SLC. Uh, that was never a good one. I've been on. A, 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 yeah, pleasant experience whatsoever. Uh, I rode this one over at um, Casino Pier in New Jersey back in April. It was the pirate theme coaster. I forget the name of it. And it was fun, but God, it beat the crap out of you. And I'm like, how is this even illegal? Like, this thing is just crazy. And But as far as the worst, I'd have to go with probably Mindy Racer. I mean, there's, there's some god-awful rides I've been on, but I just remember riding that thinking, yeah, I, I, I need to stop. I need to eat some food or take a break. Like, I can't. That thing is just 
And I've been on a bunch of SLCs, and they're not my favorite, but there are some better than others. And that one is by far the worst coaster that I probably have ever been on that I can like really uh, remember. I mean, I might say like uh, Vortex is pretty bad here at, Car at Carowinds. And I like to always give people, I, li I like to pick on my Kings Island greatest fans and, and show my love for Orion and say Orion's the worst coaster I've been on, but I'm just joking because I have a little thing in my videos where I always kind of like take a jab at Orion just because I like Orion, but it's not like that great to me in my opinion, of course. And like, I like Diamondback better, but it's always funny as I always try to like stir up people just to, you know, not to make it mad or anything, just to be like, oh, I can't believe you just said that. But then normally I'm just like joking around, you know, so. I have a sarcastic side that sometimes it's a little bit dry. I do that a lot too. And it's always all in good fun. Yeah. The thing that really blows me away sometimes is the way some people will get emotional and oh, get yeah. triggered over roller coasters. And it's just for fun. Yeah. And it's in like my opinion, if, if you're not having fun with it, and you can't, you know, enjoy joking back and forth with people about, you know, different coasters and their preferences and that sort of thing, then you need to go find another hobby. Exactly. Because one thing I've definitely discovered through the number of interviews that I've done on this podcast, you know, number of people I've talked to about coasters, <laughs> different bodies experience the same ride in totally different ways. True. And different people look for very different things when it comes to whether or not they enjoy a coaster. So, you know, yep. there's no right or there's no wrong answers, even though I really love messing with people that will tell yeah. them, you know, some of their answers are just silly, but I enjoy, you know, I'm one of those too. I take as much as I can give and I, you know, I've, get a big kick out of that when people can pick up on the joking and the sarcasm and just, you know, throw it right back at me. It's a lot of fun. So now we're going to exit the roller coaster time traveler. And yeah. we're going to talk about you. And I'd like to start with talking about your YouTube channel, theme park predictions and more. Tell me about the channel. When did you start it? And what inspired you to create it? Uh, yeah, so I actually, it's funny because I started, I started it, I think, in August of 2019. I put out like five or six videos that were god-awful. They were horrible, very bad editing and audio and everything else. Uh, but I always loved the idea of like where could parks build new rides and why it makes sense for this roller coaster to be located here and you know what would what would make the most sense for the park as far as what would benefit the lineup or complement the other rides at the park and so i'd always have like a little list of you know spreadsheet of okay carowinds this year will get a coaster then cedar point the next year and just kind of plan it out in my head and always just love the philosophy of you know thinking about the future of the parks you know and and being like a rob decker you know for like cedar fair when he was in that role like being in that role, I knew that I could either try to go work for work for the parks and move up the ladder, but knowing that would take years and you just never know, 
or I, and you're stuck with just those parks and it's so much corporate. I'm not a corporate person. Uh, so I, I won't fit well with that. <laughs> so I said, you know what, I'm going to create a YouTube channel. I can talk about any park I want to and just share my predictions. And I stopped after like four or five videos, didn't really think, didn't really think anything of it because I always watched like, you know, airtime thrills, coaster studios, uh, and El, El Toro Ryan and stuff. And thought I could do that, you know, and then, I, but I stopped and then I didn't pick it up until March. I was actually out in California when the pandemic hit. Uh, and I was on my flight back from uh, Vegas when uh, like the NBA shut down the season or shut, you know, canceled the game. And I'm like, oh my God, this is scary. And so I got home and then I realized I had at the time, I had a website that was like for uh, traveling to Florida called Florida's Top Recommended, where I like recommend the best hotels and places to stay and eat because I lived there for a while. And so that was my business. And I have, you know, hotels purchase a package on my website. You know, I didn't really bring a ton of money in, but I was always like a stay-at-home dad anyways. Uh, this is the way my wife and I worked out. Her job is really good. And so once the pandemic hit, there, I'm not going to just call someone up and say, hey, buy a package on my website, you know, not knowing what their situation was with COVID and everything. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to start the channel up again. And so at March 17th, I think in 2020 was the first time I re-up, you know, uploaded a new video. And I knew I had to work my butt off because I studied what it took to get monetized and I needed to make money because yeah. my website was not going to make money and I need to provide for my family. So I knew that all, all these other channels had tons, a lot more views and subscribers so I needed to work like three times as hard and quickly as these other people were just to just to get over the monetization, which is a thousand subscribers and four thousand hours of watch time. And so I, I got monetized, I believe, on June 1st, 2020, uh, which was great. So just under two about two months or so. And I was just it was wild. I was very, very thankful. And I had to do something because. Carowinds was closed for the year. And so there's no theme parks, no sports. I'm stuck at home with my wife and uh, two and a two-year-old kid. Like I was going to suffer from more depression than what I already kind of have in my life. <laughs> I had to do something. So I could talk about roller coasters and, you know, provide a positive spin on it. Uh, just trying, I get complimented a lot actually of like, oh my gosh, you're so positive about the parks and coasters. It's so refreshing to see and I think that that's uh, something I try to stay stay true to this day of, you know, I, I, I'm a, I'm very big on not knocking a park, especially like I, I've, had, I've ran into issues at parks over the last couple of years, but I'm not going to go blast them on my videos or social media because that affects the parks. I would go to the park yes. itself and say, hey, by the way, this is what happened. I just want to let someone know about it, you know, before someone else can see it or I'm not going to. Because the thing about it is, if it wasn't for the parks being open and, you know, not closing down or whatever, because word of mouth does affect the parks, I wouldn't be able to do what I love, right? I wouldn't be able yeah. to go out there and show the world my love for coasters and getting them involved. I wouldn't, mm -hmm. you know, we, 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 we wouldn't have the roller coasters in the parks. And so that's why I never bash the parks. Like I might have a remark at times, but it's nothing like substantial, you know, or not going to have a giant thumbnail of 
don't visit this park this year or this or this or that, you know, and it's, it's just, uh, yeah, it, it really, it, it, yeah, I just try to be positive with it. Kind of help me help you. Yeah, exactly. Attitude where everybody wins. You know, the way I look at it, the more people I can get to go to, you know, Carowinds or any park, then the better off that park is. And that park might be able to build a new ride sooner, you know, or be able to provide better guest service. You know, or I, there's a lot of variables to it. And I think a lot of it's uh, because I worked in the parks for eight years. You know, I worked at, I started off at Kings Island for two years. And I was, uh, then I went to Six Flags New England for two and then SeaWorld uh, Orlando for two, and then Universal Orlando for two. So it's uh, one of those things I've always, I always wanted to work in the parks and I always wanted to be a part of the park somehow. And I felt that void in my life when I moved to Charlotte in 2014. I'm like, do I go to Carowinds? I'm like, no, I don't wanna work there. But I just did my website for Florida. And then all of a sudden COVID hit and I have this YouTube channel and I'm thinking to myself, man, why did I start it back in 2014? You know, because I could be so much bigger now or whatever. And yeah. it's just, but everything works out the way it is. It's all God's plan. I'm just here and just enjoying it and, you know, creating content and, and making the wife happy and being a good father. Well, that's awesome. And I can tell you right now, positive attitude like yours makes all the difference. One of the things I've discovered just in any visit yeah. Any visit, a large, and it's not just any amusement park visit. It's yeah. in your day-to-day -day life. Everything that occurs, the majority of how your day goes, no matter who you with or where you are, is dependent upon your attitude. Yeah. If you have a poor attitude, your negative negativity just, you know, breeds. Mm -hmm. that toxic environment everywhere you go all day every day you're really not going to be happy and other people around you are going to you know pretty much feel the same way and I oh, feel yeah. like you know in, a, in an amusement park if you have a positive attitude even the worst of days there's some you know good good to be found yeah and Having that positive attitude and approaching, you know, approaching amusement parks with that, you know, help me help you is going to typically get a much more efficient response yeah. than getting yourself blocked on social media. <laughs> totally agree. Or blasting them here, there, here, there, and everywhere. That's really not going to help anybody and it's not going to help us with our hobby. No, make, make the parks somewhere that everybody wants to be. Plus, you know, I've become a lot more aware as a teacher yeah. in a school post-COVID in our environment. There's hardly a substitute teacher to be found. You know, in the teaching world, staffing shortages are a very real problem. Yep. You know, substitute teachers are next to impossible to find. And, you know, kids stayed home, at least in our district, for a year and a half. Crazy. And there's not a lot of instruction that took place on the home end. 
being in mm -hmm. inner city, a lot of the you know kids were not even held accountable at home for showing up to their on class online classes or anything of that nature. Yeah. But yet the schools, we're under a tighter microscope than we've ever been. You know, blame, 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 blame. It's all on the district when in reality, a child's success needs to be a combination of the home end and mm -hmm. the school end, yep. which didn't happen so ever for the vast majority of students for about a year and a half. Not that the schools weren't offering it, you know, but the fact that parents, for whatever reason, didn't have them doing what they needed to be doing. And now, you know, we don't have a lot of the staff that we need and everything's blame, 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 you know, the school. So when I go to amusement parks or, you know, businesses in general, I'm a lot more understanding than I was, I think, yeah. before. No, definitely. COVID, before COVID hit and the reality and I get it too, like, yeah, and I, I get it too, where staffing shortage, shortages, you know, I'm not upset really at the park and to a point, you know, yeah. and especially now with, you know, the parks having to pay the employees, I think, I think last year was it, maybe it was the 2020 where Cedar Point had it, you know, they went from $10 an hour. an hour to $20 an hour. And I'm like, yeah, and let's add inflation into all of this. Too, yeah. Like it's, it's crazy. When I started at Kings Island, I made six fifty an hour. Granted, it was 2004, but I, I, I could go to Carowinds right now and run laps around people that are, you know, younger. And it's just like the drive just isn't there. Not, not everyone, but there are some oh, people. I understand so, where you're talking about. And it's, it's crazy to me. If I didn't have kids right now, like I would go to Carowinds and just motivate the crap out of people and say, you move, you know, yes. get up there and, and work, you know, move with a purpose. Yeah. hundred percent. Absolutely. And I honestly, you know, on the teaching end of it, I see a lot of kids that are raised on technology mm -hmm. and there's such a push Speaking of, you know, COVID and online school, and now yep. even in the classroom, everything is on the computer. Everything is in front of a screen, 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 day in and day out. With my own child, she was falling behind. She was not getting all of her assignments like completed and turned in. There were several missing assignments. And I told her, when I was in school, there was, you know, there was no Google Classroom. There was no, you know, anything on the computer or any of this. I had a notebook for each class. I would write down the assignment, write down the due date. And if like, if the assignment wasn't, had, if the assignment wasn't started, there was nothing besides it. I put a little line or a dot. When it was finished, I'd put a line through it. Yeah. She looked at me. They're not teaching this stuff. She's like, what? That's a great idea. It's something she never thought of because everything's on the computer yeah. and they're just supposed to keep up. But I also see too where that, my, my son working at, at Kentucky Kingdom, he's one of their lead write-offs. He talks about other kids, you know, that he sees 
they just spend so much time sitting and staring. I think it leads to complacency, you know, and there's just not this urge yeah. to get up and move and do anything. So I totally understand where you're coming from. That end with be, being more expeditious in the service that's delivered. Because I, there was actually, I heard somebody tell him at his job, like, dude, sometimes you, I feel like you, you, you take your job so seriously, sometimes you take it too seriously. I said, oh, no, he doesn't. Yeah. I said, you all need to come take a few field trips with us. And, you know, go to the parks where everybody has the same passion for their job that Jay does. You're going to see there's a whole other world out there, you know. And if your park wants to be truly competitive with these other parks, this is the level of service that needs to be delivered. And I think a lot of it is they just don't understand. It's one thing to hear it in a training manual. It's another thing to see it on a video. But once you've been out and seeing a person, it's like, oh. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense, too. All right. So going back to your YouTube channel, Theme Park Predictions and More, what do you feel is the best work that you've done on your channel? and Why do you feel like it's your best work? Uh, I, th- I really can't pinpoint, I guess, one video that I've done better than the others. Uh, I just feel like it's a learning curve for me, and I still to this day, like, and teaching myself how to get better in my own craft. And I do that by watching a lot of YouTube YouTube tutorials. Mm-hmm. And I really feel like I'm very competitive and I'm very uh, confident. I don't really call it cocky, but I want to be the best. Now, yeah. I don't consider myself the best coaster YouTube channel out there. I consider myself the best version of myself as I can. Yes. Absolutely. And I feel like I just, I've taught myself everything. I never knew how to edit videos or, you know, really, I mean, I've always like talked really quickly and, and kind of slurred my words, but since the channel, I've learned to enunciate better, talk a little bit slower and, and everything else, which has been a blessing. But I think you know, each video I try to, you know, get better and, try new things and that's one thing I, I really give myself credit for is I'm not afraid to mix it up where behind me is my studio and most coaster youtubers don't put their face on the screen and I realize now what happened to kids where I still need to produce content to make you know my viewers happy that turns into money for my family where I don't have what six you know most of my videos might take anywhere from six to eight hours to make sometimes longer, sometimes a little bit shorter. So I realized I need to get on screen, no script, just talk. And not every video is that way, but that's even more terrifying because now I'm on camera, I'm still talking and, you know, but I think it's worked pretty well. And I've had a lot of good uh, feedback with it. And I don't do it for every video. So it's a nice mix of, you know, trying new things and seeing what works, seeing what doesn't work. And, I often say I, I started a prediction channel the worst time possible during the pandemic. Uh, so I quickly realized how to focus on, you know, not spending six hours or eight hours on a video for, you know, let's say, I don't know, like Frontier City in Oklahoma, knowing the return on investment for me, I'm not going to make any 
there's not be there's not gonna be many views from that one you know that, that turns into money so i'm not gonna it doesn't make any sense but i can spend eight hours on a video for king's island because people are gonna want to watch that you know so i've learned i've learned a lot from doing this and not that i don't want to make a video for other parks but i have to make videos where i'm gonna get the views too you know especially with this is this is my full-time job you know uh technically stay-at-home dad but this is i work 40 to 50 hours a week uh doing this stuff so i try to uh you know produce the, the content people want to see as well as knowing what's going to get views what's not going to get views yeah, and I can totally relate to what you're talking about, you know, from looking at tutorials, trying to learn from those who do better and, um, you know, trying to keep it fresh, new and innovative. I'm yep. in my 24th year of teaching. Good for you. And, you know, I was talking about with coaster writing and everything, how I feel like you know, this chapter of my life's just getting started. That really applies to my professional life as well, because, you know, I see a lot of teachers that haven't even been in this as long as I've been in it or that yeah. have been in it the same amount of time or a bit longer. And there are a lot of them. So many are just burnt out and waiting to retire. Oh, I'm and sure every child that enters their classroom May the force be with them because that teacher's miserable. Mm -hmm. Every kid in that class is miserable. And it's like everybody just wants to get out. Sure. And, you know, me, I just, I feel renewed. I feel like I'm, you know, learn, when I can't, when, when something I'm trying to do isn't going well, yeah. go observe, go ask questions, learn from those that do better. Because the second I've decided that I've, learned everything and I can't get any better than it's probably going to be time to go do something else True. and branching out and trying new things. You know, I just decided this year, I'm like, I'm, some of these old lesson plans and stuff I've done, I've just kind of scrapped them. I'm yep. like, okay, you know, what's new, what's fresh, what's going to challenge me. And, you know, this is either going to go really well or it's going to blow up in my face. But the only way to know is to find out. And, you know, for the month of October, we just, for the first time, did these uh, Tim Burton spooky selfies. Nice. Shading and everything. And oh, my goodness. Now, this is what's nice. I see every kid in school. So I get five rotations of kids. I see each group of classes every day for three weeks before we switch. The first group I did the lesson with, almost hit the nail on the head but i needed to modify it just a little bit so then i got my next round of kids that was when i perfected the perfected the craft mm -hmm. <laughs> we hit the nail on the head with that so you know just always learning new things things learning from those that do better yeah. that keeps me motivated and inspired and still wanting to go and do this after being in the same classroom for 19 years Good for you. All right. So let's talk about the uh, logistics of your YouTube channel. How did you start a channel? What kind of outlets did you use to get subscribers? And do you have suggestions for those who would like to start a channel? Uh, yeah, as far as, 
you know, where, how I went about starting it was just the motivation of it's a platform to use to talk about coasters. And I saw other people do it. And I thought, you know, I could do that, too. And so I started it with I picked up my, my ear pods on my computer and did it without a microphone starting out. Then I would no money spent at all. Then I told I went to the wife, said, look, I need to buy a microphone. And then I started buying sound panels for the walls. You know, before I used to hang blankets all around me, you know, and to try to absorb the echo. Uh, so it just came down to having that drive, having that will of, you know, th this is what I, th th I finally found my niche after 37 or 36 years, whatever it was at the time I started it, where this is my calling. And uh, it was just great. And as far as how to get subscribers, um, I, I love Twitter more than any social media. I don't really care for Facebook, Instagram. I don't really, I just don't have the time, honestly. And I've always loved Twitter um, ever since like the last 10 years or so. Uh, so I just would post on that from time to time and just grew my subscribers organically and, and just kept on producing videos almost every day uh, for those first few months just to get monetized uh, you know, for, as far as YouTube goes, and then as far as the the suggestions for people who wanted to start, who who are wanting to start a channel, I mean, if I could do it, you could do it. I know that's like really cl uh, cliche, but like it's true because I didn't have a whole lot of confidence in myself, especially especially like talking and you know everything else. And here I am doing it, and. Now the channel has uh, almost 24,000 subscribers, which is mind-boggling still to me to this day. Uh, it's it's just, it, it's a blessing. So if you're out there and you want to start a channel, do it, do it, do it. And just remember, you have to be consistent with it, whether that's one video a month, one video a week, doesn't really matter. Just be consistent. Don't give up and know that it's not going to be easy because it wasn't easy for me. Trust me and don't give up and, and just make sure, you know, you, you the passion comes first. If there's passion there, people are going to latch on and want more. Yes. And I think that people say that in my videos a lot where you, I can sense you're so passionate just by listening to you. And that really is uh, cool to see tr be transpired through a video. Um, so, yeah, I mean, get, start now, you know, and and do it and get out there and have have creative ideas. And the three main things as far as YouTube goes that I that I focus on for my videos, what I've learned is I've watched a ton of tutorials is your thumbnail and your description and the title. Those three things are just as important as to what's inside the video, because without a bat, without a good thumbnail people aren't going to click it without a good title or a description, you know, the, the YouTube algorithm won't recommend it as much, you know? So what I, I mean, I spend, there, there are certain thumbnails that I spend over an hour on is literally because I want to make sure it's engaging. It's perfect. It's not like, you know, clickbaitish, and people say all the time, well, he's real clickbaitish, And it's like the real definition of clickbaiting is, Someone clicks it and doesn't get what they want out of that video. So I try to make sure that the title, the description, and thumbnail translates perfectly as to what that person's going to get. Because it's almost like going to see a movie 
And I don't want someone at the end of the movie to feel like, well, that ending left me hanging and I didn't appreciate that, you know, or I didn't get what I paid for. I don't want that. So I try to make sure that I focus on those three components as well as make sure that obviously the video is, you know, at least, you know, good enough to, to be released and people to see. Well, congratulations on your success. And I, oh my goodness, 24,000 subscribers already. Yeah, it's it's crazy. That's phenomenal. I, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it really blew up this year. Um, like June, it just took off and it's just, I don't know what it was, but I think a lot of it was like the dragster stuff, you know, and it just kind of just blew up. And then August, or I'm sorry, July, August, September. And now this month, I mean, it's just, it's, it's almost like, I just, it's, it's, it's crazy. I can't even, I can't, I can't even describe the, the feeling of accomplishment of knowing like I made it. You know, like 24,000 isn't a lot to some of these people, but to me and a lot of people like under me, like sounds like a big deal to me. It, it's a huge thing, you know, and it's really cool to be able to be a part of it. And 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 what I hope from it is to, to carve out the pathway for other creators, you know, who have lower or the same or even more for that matter to to help them grow. So that way the communities, if I grow, I know that the community community is growing too. Yeah. And in the end of it, that's all that matters to me because we have more people that are in the theme parks, more people are buy, buying season passes, more people are visiting the parks. And so that works for me. So who knows what will 10, you know, 10 years from now looks like, but it just comes down to trying to make sure people around me, that I'm, I'm taking care of my family, but other you know content creators that I can help out too. Well, and I'm sure that those who are listening would be very appreciative of that advice. You sound a lot like me in some ways when people have come to me for advice regarding yeah. weight loss. I've said the exact same thing, and I know it sounds cheesy, but yeah. if I can do this, you can do it too. Every bit of success starts with the first step. You just, you know, take one step mm -hmm. at a time. Keep moving, keep moving forward. And, uh, you know, when you get stuck, push through those hard, you know, push through the hard times. And yep, 100%. Anybody can do anything you set your mind to. Absolutely. Preach. So you said a positive thing. You're up to almost 24,000 subscribers. So you just shared some very positive news that you have almost 24,000. YouTube subscribers, which is phenomenal. Um, yeah, so obviously the views are fantastic, and I appreciate each and every view, every subscriber. Um, I just never imagined being this type of be, being placed, I guess, on this pedestal of when I'm in the parks, people recognize me, whether I'm wearing my theme park predictions and more merchandise or just wearing a regular shirt, like. People, oh my gosh, that's Brandon from Theme Park Predictions. And it's really cool to be able to get a photo with them, meet people, and, and just to have that, you know, impact on people. And, and really, it's kind of 
it's kind of funny, but it's true where they're just as excited to see me as I am excited to see people that are fans on my channel. So like they might have butterflies inside of them thinking, oh my gosh, that's Brandon. But I have butterflies thinking this guy, this kid wants a picture with me. Why? Actually have fans. This is really cool. I love it. You know, it's, it's, it's great. Um, But obviously, you know, it comes down to, I've, I've always wanted to help people. And I grew up with a lot of youth, youth, youth ministry as, as a young adult that kept me out of a lot of uh, uh, tongue tied as a young adult that kept me out of a lot of trouble. And I feel as if, you know, I have a platform now where I can help, you know, obviously there's a lot of people out there that suffer from, you know, depression, mental illness, you know, a lot of things, especially the crap we've all gone through the last couple of years. And that's why at the end of my videos, I have my tagline. And that is, like I say, thank you. Thank you for watching. You know, remember to smile today, think positive and keep riding coasters. And I've had a few subscribers reach out to me and say, look, you know, your keep riding coaster slogan has really inspired me to lose weight or to get get past this hurdle in, in my life or burden or whatnot. And it really has became so much more than just a YouTube channel where those eight or nine minutes someone's watching my video, that might be the best part of their day, you know? And I I love that, that, that I can be that, you know? And so for me, it's not necessarily about a channel, but on a personal note, this is the most, I've always been an entrepreneur and the last eight or seven or so years, I had my own website that was very inconsistent financially uh, so this is the first time in my life where, or, you know, the least my adult married life that I have had consistent income and I'm forever grateful for that because now I can go off and, and, and you know what, if I need to buy a fast lane, I'm going to buy a fast lane where before, like even two years ago, I'm like, I can't afford it. I can't do it, you know? And now because I have to, I know I have to get footage. I have to do a vlog. I want to be able to enjoy the rides, you know, whatever reason it is. And so it's, it's, it's a, it's a true blessing of what's transpired, but it's at the same time. I'm just like everyone else too. You know, I'm very humble. I'm very approachable. I love meeting people, but I'm just out there having fun riding roller coasters like everyone else, you know, in the end of it. Well, you are the perfect person to be interviewing on this podcast because sure. you know that's what we're all about. Yeah. Is helping people and spreading positivity. So thank you so much for joining us on our mission and doing that. Oh, appreciate it. Now your YouTube channel is all about predictions. So yep. you know we can't we can't do an interview without talking about some of your infamous predictions. What predictions do you have for the future of coaster design? You know, what do you think is possible that's not yet gone vertical? Any thoughts you'd like to share on that? Yeah. Um, I There's really a lot happening in the coaster. Th- there world. is. And it's, it's a great time to be in the industry because I never, I never really thought it bounce back this quickly. And I know parks are still struggling and stuff, but to see what's been announced, and that's that's really without even Six Flags doing anything at the moment, obviously. Um, but as far as the future of coasters, 
I'm really excited about the what Intamin's doing lately with their whole LSM, you know, the swing launch, you know, having the rollback like Pantheon. Uh, mm -hmm. And Intamin's rolled out a ton of new models that really any park can afford because they're smaller. But I really like, I, th I think, I think the future of roller coasters would be the launch obviously is here to stay and it's just going to get more complex and more, uh, you know, more, more common, I think. Whereas, uh, you know, a chain lift is great and all, but they're, you know, I, I don't know. It just comes down to, for me, I think like the future of coasters would be like something like Velocicoaster in a way where you mix a perfect, you know, ambiance of theme plus great ride. And obviously not every park can afford a Velocicoaster, but smaller scale that style of ride is just people get off of that and they're just like oh my gosh you know and i think a lot of the future stuff has to do with you know the, these roller coaster creators get more or you know manufacturers get more creative with their work and you know we saw rmc create the hybrid coaster you know for the new one at least you know, the, the new form of hybrid coaster if you will and then you know mock mock has the extreme spinners you know and Intamin is doing all sorts of crazy stuff. And I really feel as if the RMC T-Rex, I mean, we have to talk about that because we all- That's I, what I was getting ready to say. Cause it, it's gonna happen. I, I feel like it almost has to happen because it's just a beautiful concept. It's almost like a bigger version of the single rail. Uh, so it's just a matter of, you know, what park out there can afford it, what park out there has the room for something like mm -hmm. that. And I think the future of coasters, another piece, piece of it as far as I think with the parks having to spend so much money to staff, I think, I think there's two sides of the future. One is the designs of what type of coasters we have coming to us in the future, but how can parks make it so they can afford the staffing for these rides so they don't have to staff 10 people on a coaster Whereas maybe it's all computer, computer, you know, animated with the restraints locking. I don't know. Uh, there just has to be ways that the parks can benefit from purchasing a coaster because it's only going to take two people to operate with the one person now at the entrance. I, you know, there's a lot of different variables that go into that, obviously, but I think that has a big part of the future because now parks have to wonder, you know, we're paying 15, 20 bucks an hour for four or five people is mm -hmm. it worth investing in these big coasters that take that many people to operate you know there's always question. two sides to it right so yeah. to me yeah i think i think that's you know i'm just trying to answer the best i can so well you did a great job and i'm really glad that you mentioned rmc t-rex because you know those teasers have been going around yeah from rmc yeah pretty heavily lately hinting towards a giga or that sort of thing. So I definitely think it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when and, you know, where. What park, what exactly is this going to look like? And, yeah. um, you know, what's around the corner there? Now, speaking of predictions, there's one topic that we cannot forget. Top Thrill Dragster. Have any thoughts you would like to share on the future of the reimagining of that ride? Uh, yeah, I think it's funny because I have a lot of people that message me now that I'm, you know, you know, 
you know, I'm, 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 you know, what's, what's it called? I'm growing as a community, as a, as a channel. So people reach out to me all the time with these little, you know, messages of, Hey, by the way, I know someone who knows this, you know, here's what's happening. You know, it's like, who do you really believe? Who do you not believe? Uh, so I have a few sources and that's close to me that I've known for years now. I trust more than others. Uh, but as far as what I I I know, I, they're doing obviously something with it. I don't see the top hat getting removed. I think it's too iconic. Uh, I said in past videos, I think I think Cedar, Cedar Point has to consider at least extending the layout or changing it up a little bit because they have the perfect opportunity to do so since it's been down for so long, and they can market it as a new coaster. And that could be their new ride, their their new coaster that can last, you know, two or three years until their next one. So I think that they have a perfect situation to do that. I do not see them removing the uh, the top hat. Obviously, the launch is going to change up to LSM, uh, which is fine. And I would love it for them to be like the swing launch because Cedar Point is really enthusiast based too. Because everyone like Tony Clark and all of them there, they know we all want to roll back. So, I mean, how cool yes. would that be if they could work it out capacity-wise to have the swing launch so we all get a rollback on track? Yes. Like, that is, to me, that would be the perfect solution for it. Um, I don't really, I don't, I, I don't see them being able to have the, the swing launch and then have an extended layout on the other side of it. I think that's just capacity reason that it just wouldn't work, but having that swing launch plus the top hat, that would be pretty legit. So I definitely think it's, it, they're doing something with it. They're not removing it. I, I've said from, I've said from the beginning of when I started my videos that um, back in the, this past March of if Draxter opens, we, it won't, it will not be the same. Something's going to be different when we ride it again. Sure enough, the launch is gone. And I, I just feel like something's going to happen where, it, it, it's going to be fun. And so I, I think 2024, maybe 2023, but I, I, it depends on, it depends on how elaborate they're going to be, right? If they're just replacing the launch. That's it with LSMs. Then I think 2023 is, is, is realistic, but if they're going to extend the layout in any way than 2024. I know when I was there back over fall break, we could get a pretty good view of it from the top yeah. of Valraven. Yeah. All of the lawn section, the track is gone. The yeah. top hat's still there. But yeah. then the entire section after the finish line is gone. Yeah. And they've got the station cleared out. So it definitely looks like there could be, you know, some potential redesigning and that sort of thing. It's definitely going to be interesting to see what unfolds. Yep. I'm very, very excited for it. All right, so now we're going to switch over to the topic of advice. And this can be any type of advice you'd like to offer for our listeners. It can be in terms of, you know, facing fear, riding coasters, overcoming challenges in life in general. What advice would you like to give to those who are listening this evening? Yeah, I'm... First of all, go out there and check out the Coaster Challenge podcast, of course. It's the best advice I can give you at the moment. Um, Absolutely. Thank <laughs> you. The, uh, just, you know, 
life is crazy and I've lived a great life, a lot of ups and downs, went through a lot of crazy childhood, really messed up childhood. Uh, just stay, stay positive, right? Because today might be a crap day, but tomorrow we'll get better, you know, and stay focused mentally, physically, emotionally as much as you can. And the best advice I can give you is just trust yourself, love yourself and know that, you know, life isn't about today. Life is about your journey and your journey is over the course of your time on here on earth, not just one day. So it just takes time to establish who you are. And I didn't let myself a lot, you know, when I grew up, you know, I, I thought I was weird. I thought I would just, you know, work at a grocery store bagging groceries my whole life. And then all of a sudden I thought, you know what, I'm going to go work at Kings Island. And that was the best, this, the, uh, the best decision I ever made because it gave me confidence of, you know what? Yeah, I want to do that. And I want to get promoted while I'm at it. And then you get promoted. Then you're like, okay, cool. And then I'm going to go work at a different park now to get promoted there. You know, it just kind of bounce around. And, you know, still to this day, I never thought I would live in five different states and, and you know, have a YouTube channel and have a wife and have two kids. Like, I never, ever thought I'd have any of that. And I, I struggled greatly with confidence growing up as a child and a teenager and a young adult for that matter. And now, you know, I still have issues, but I'm, 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 I'm pretty rock solid because I, I've, I've, I've gone through a lot to get there. So best advice is, uh, you know, keep riding coasters. That's the best advice. <laughs> I totally relate and agree with you on everything that you just said. I came from a not so great childhood as well. You know, a lot, there was a lot of mental illness that went down. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. My mother's side of the family, I had an upbringing that I used to think, you know, was anything but normal. But yeah. one of the things, and I've realized in talking with other people, it's just about every single person I know has a story. Yep. None of us have made it through life incident free but as an adult i'm responsible for me today you know so i've had to cut you coasters have been coasters in the community have been mm -hmm. an integral part of me putting some of those issues you know from childhood yeah. putting them in the past leaving them in the past and being a part of my healing, there's just so much positivity through um, facing fear and the friends that I've met. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Because uh, I'm sure a lot of people needed to hear that, myself included. Well, I'm always here to help people and make sure, I always have the philosophy is, I always wanna make sure everyone around me is having a good time. Right. Yeah. I, will, I will have a good time knowing they're having a good time. And so that's just how I've always kind of been, I guess. It's, it's been it's been good, though, for me. And that's what this podcast is about, is building community, building connectivity and, you know, helping our listeners realize you're not alone. Yep. We all have connections. We have things that we have in common. So please, please reach out, make connections, and 
there's brighter days ahead if you're struggling at the moment. 100% so, agree. Last but not least, we're going to talk about social media. Yep. Where can our listeners find you on social media if they would like to learn more about you or make contact? Yeah, I, I have the Facebook group, Theme Park Predictions and More, Facebook page, uh, Twitter, as well as Instagram. Uh, most people message me on uh, Twitter and Instagram. They DM me. Uh, so that's like the easiest way to get a hold of me. Or if you need to get a hold of me, reach out to me in the comments of one of my videos. And, and I'll be happy to give my email address to them and whatnot like that. So, again, I, I, I need to focus more on Instagram, Facebook. I really don't care for. I'll, I'll post on there, but it's just like video uploads, really. And then uh, we have a, I have a Discord too, but I just I don't understand Discord very much. <laughs> but Twitter, I'm I, I post most of my stuff on Twitter. Uh, it's just social media is just crazy right now. So I you know it's one of those things of I don't I don't do some other platforms due to personal reasons I guess, but those are the ones I'm on for at least this. All right. Well, I've very much enjoyed talking with you and getting to know you this evening. Thank you for Likewise. sharing your story. Of course. And, um, I appreciate you being on the podcast. Appreciate you having me. Thank you so much. Thank you. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to see more of us, we upload every Friday. And check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube all at Coaster Challenge. Links are in the description below. Thanks for joining us here today.